When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. I want to be left alone. I don't want any of the things that people accuse Negroes of wanting. And I don't hate you. I simply want to be able to raise my children in peace and arrive at my own maturity in my own way in peace. I don't want to be defined by you. I think that you and I might learn a great deal from each other. If you can overcome the curtain of my color, the curtain of my color is what you use to avoid facing the facts of our common history, the facts of American life. It is easy to call me a Negro or a nigger or a promising black man. But in fact, I'm a man like you. I want to live like you. This country is mine too. I paid as much for it as you. White means that you are European still. And black means that I'm African. And we both know, we've both been here too long. You can't go back to Ireland or Poland or England. And I can't go back to Africa. And we will live here together or we'll die here together. And it's not I am telling you. Time is telling you. You will listen or you will perish. Betches Media presents... Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter, too. That's what I'm oh, help me, God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Suck Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamarez. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. You just heard James Baldwin in 1968. That was the same year Richard Nixon was elected, and uh, he was eventually impeached. And we're also going to be talking about an impeachment today. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. It's almost it's almost like it was 13 months ago when we did this the last time. <laughs> wow, I guess it was 13 months ago, huh? Mm -hmm. Last January, so I just changed. already know how this works and don't have to do all of that homework. <laughs> so much has changed, yet nothing. Exactly. So impeachment debate begins in about an hour from when we're recording. So if you listen to morning announcements this morning with Sammy, you know about as much as we do right now. But 
to summarize, the House members prosecuting the case against Trump will basically connect the January 6th incitement to a pattern of dangerous conspiracies designed to undermine our democracy. I would say that's the headline strategy to focus on right now. They're going to be pointing to more than January 6th, specifically because Trump's lawyers plan to really narrow in on that day. They will argue that the former president cannot be held accountable for anything he didn't say. Um, one of their literal legal arguments is that he did not say the words, go do an insurrection. They say he didn't say insurrection. He didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't use the word. He didn't use the word. He didn't know the word. To counter this, <laughs> Democratic impeachment managers will, as I mentioned, draw attention to Trump's behavior during the attack. Remember, he did not urge the rioters to stand down until hours into the carnage. He tweeted that Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what's right while insurrectionists were already in the building. So you can't really say that he wasn't aware of what was happening. Yeah. Another note uh, that I thought was funny, a Trump advisor told Politico that Trump has been happy to lay low. He feels like this is the in-between season period between The Apprentice. He's liking it. It's important to note that Trump was uh, involuntarily removed from the spotlight. It's not a between-seasons thing, first by 80 million American voters and then by every social media platform. I mean, yeah. It's, it's very funny to me, this idea of him being like, I actually love it. I well, actually love it. I mean, it. on one end, it's like... It's like when you get fired from a job, it's like, mm-hmm. well, actually, it's the best thing that happened to me. It's like, of course it is, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Like, what if he's like me and Melania have been connecting again? We've been really <laughs> I found Jared and Ivanka's playlist and the went. Oh, God, the sex playlist. Well, yeah, I mean, on one end, you're like, oh, of course he's saying that. But on another end, his ego, his pride, like, I really don't think that he won. Like. No. I don't think he wanted to be president. I don't think he wanted any of this. And he just can't stop himself. He needs someone else to stop him. And no one's been. And then the thing is, no one else is going to stop him because everyone's no. scared of it. It's like this cyclical yeah. thing. So He wanted what he wanted and what he got was to be the most famous person in the world. And like that was what the pursuit of all of this was, is he wants to be the most famous person in the world. And so I highly doubt that losing his social media platforms, which are what keeps him the most famous person in the world, is something that he's actually happy about. No, and I think he wanted he wanted to be famous so that he could get press for his his hotels. Now no one's fucking with his hotels. And now like he's got a whole bunch of heat on him, like people digging into his shit, which is like, yeah, that's why you got to really be careful and be thankful for when you were just popping off shit on Twitter. And I know. Doing he's going to say someday that being stuff. president was the worst thing that ever happened to him. I mean, he already oh. talks a lot about how like his kids like suffered for four years when they could have had the best life ever. Eventually he's going to be like, this was not worth it. I, he's only mad that he lost by now. He's probably thrilled. He's probably having the time of his life. Nobody bothers him. I wonder how long Trump tower is going to be able to stay in New York. Mm. Like how long can that property remain in the city called Trump Tower and like what happens to it? I feel like that's going to be just a crazy journey that we watch because 
I bet what will happen is he's going to have to sell it or something. And then the new owner can strip it, which is sort of what happened to those condos that are on the river in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Those aren't owned by him. I think he just licensed his name to the company and the residents were like, we don't want this. So now they don't say like Trump Plaza anymore. And it's so funny because it's like mainly it's an older neighborhood. So it's just like a bunch of like woke people in their woke white people in their 60s that are like, take the name off. Well, yeah. Also, like that was one of the more lucid, like of all the business models, the hotels, the university, whatever, him licensing his name, because for a long time, I mean, we can't even remember it now. I mean, not even remember, but for a long time, the Trump brand was associated with luxury. Now, like people are paying to get his name off of shit. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the most lucrative things because he doesn't even have to put any money into shit. But Trump Soho doesn't exist anymore either. Trump Tower, I think, is something that he still owns, though. I I don't really understand. I don't really understand how his who understands how his finances work. We don't we don't know. He never shared any information with us. But (laughs) has anyone ever asked him directly if he owns that building? I think somebody should try. (laughs) I think that is one of the ones that he owns, because isn't that the one that like didn't Michael Cohen used to live there and all this shit, too? So and there's like a whole thing about building it. So that's my other thing is I just I feel like it like visually will also have to change. Like it's not just going to be a matter of taking his yeah. name off of it. They're going to have to like re they're going to have to look HGTV in there. We're going to have to redo the front. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like someone flip it. Yeah. My friend went <laughs> to this luxury building in like Brooklyn or something. And it just had like black marble and gold everywhere. And it was just like, oof, this looks too Trump Tower. Yeah. And it just sucks because black marble and gold is a look. It is. It's it's forever. It's a look that's going to have to be put aside for a little while. He fucked that up. He fucked yeah, that up. Gonna, it's so. all right. We're going to have to put it aside. So we will be watching impeachment and updating you guys on it throughout the week. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. 
Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Today, we're going to talk about how a recent spate of violent and deadly attacks have followed a year of rising anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States. Last week, actors Daniel Day Kim and Daniel Wu announced that they were offering a $25,000 reward to anyone who could help identify the person who was caught on camera shoving a 91-year-old man in Oakland's Chinatown. This came on top of a number of really recent attacks, which we're going to let activist Amanda Wen explain in a viral video she made asking the media to pay more attention to this. Let's listen. Last Thursday, an 84-year-old Thai American was murdered in San Francisco. On Wednesday, a 64-year-old Vietnamese grandmother was assaulted in San Jose. And on the same day, a Filipino American was slashed across the face on a subway in Manhattan. The mainstream media does not spotlight our stories enough. We matter and racism is killing us. I'm asking everyone who sees this to share and tag CNN, MSNBC, journalists with massive platforms like Rachel Maddow, Anderson Cooper, to cover our stories, cover this man's story. Our community is being attacked and we are dying to be heard. And that captured attention. And finally, this is being covered more in the mainstream. As she noted, these were all unprovoked attacks. Uh, concentrated in the Bay Area. The Thai consulate in Los Angeles has actually warned Thai people in the entire state of California to be careful. The violence is also recalling memories of there are plenty of incidents, but specifically Vincent Chin, uh, a man who was murdered in Detroit in 1982. His killers face no jail time. They face like a $3,000 fine or something and some probation. Yesterday, Oakland's DA announced the creation of a special response unit focused on crimes against Asians, particularly older Asians. And NYPD data, just to sort of zoom out at the rise of hate crimes that have, it's largely been as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and false information about its origins and just racist um, associations with Asian Americans. So NYPD data showed that there's been a 1900% increase in anti-Asian hate crimes in the city in the past year. And there were more attacks against Asian Americans in the first few months of 2020 than in all of 2019. 31% of Asian Americans say they've been subject to racist slurs or jokes since the pandemic began. That's one in three Asian Americans. I mean, for a really long time, we had the president literally using racist slurs to associate Chinese Americans and just Asian people in general with the virus. So, again, yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk about like Trump has incited violence mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. in so many ways. And obviously, like not everything is I, I don't want to just simplify everything by being like it's Trump, but he represents uh, he he's the id of racism in yes. America and he was a mouthpiece for it for a long yes. time. And like he and all of his goons, they all would joke around and say all these little cutesy nicknames they came up with for the coronavirus. And a 91 year old man got shoved to the ground and now he's dead. So it's just so fucking cowardly of people to like, first of all, attack 
attack somebody unprovoked attack old people unprovoked like that's so fucked up and then also like yeah it's it's fox news too that was like amplifying china virus china virus china virus and it's like actually it should be called the u.s virus way more people died here way more people have it uh the uk variant like, like that's whatever. also what happened with this plant is the spanish flu too like just so that we're all clear like americans had it way like we way worse. Up really bad and had it way worse and like we get all these viruses and then spread them and then we're like you should test you know, it's convoluting like multiple, like multiple issues because there are critiques of how the Chinese government handled this, but we can't make them because we handled that way worse. But there's are like there are you know some things that like politicians are talking about that gets really touchy. But it's like that's the Chinese government. That's not Chinese yes, American right. immigrants that have been here for 40, 50 years. Like they have nothing to do with that. Right. Um, and- That's not a 91-year-old man who you don't even know is Chinese. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, some of these attacks are happening in Chinatown, but other attacks are happening just against random like Asian Americans. Like Thai people. Like, come on. And another thing that's like really sad to me, or you know, um, is that since even last January, Chinatown in New York, which is like amazing so fun super cheap to eat at has been really suffering um and they they've like even before the pandemic hit a lot of their businesses had to close and even during the pandemic they they've like had a mass like um amount of closures like restaurants and 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 bakeries and all this stuff because um even people in new york weren't going you know they're like it doesn't make sense because it's like Chinatown is a block away from right. Little Italy and it's near Soho and it's near Battery Park. But people are like, oh, if I walk to Chinatown, I will get COVID. Right. But if I cross the but, street. And it's also interesting because like Little Italy, it's not like people were like, I'm not going to Little Italy because they've got COVID in Italy. Right. And exactly. that Chinese people in Manhattan only only live in Manhattan and only live in Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it all doesn't make sense, and it's just, racism doesn't make it's, sense. Yeah, it's just an excuse for people who are racist against Asians to act out on that racism. And people at the highest levels of our government and media have also tried to give an okay to that, and that's what we're seeing, and it's really sad. And it's just like, it's like um, these people who have the ability. It's like preying on also racist. Yeah. Like, not to give them a benefit of the doubt, like, whatever, but everything's just not black and, I mean, pun intended, no pun intended, but it's not mm-hmm. black and white of, like, these races really are angry because of all the other stuff that is happening, like, shit's closed, they don't, they can't see their family, blah, 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 um, and, you know, the media is saying that it's China's fault, and then they right. see, you know, they, and it, it's like, oh, it's not the fault of people who are not wearing masks, or it's not the fault of people who are seeing their face, you know. It, it's, it's always yeah. the other. It's always it's the always other. Fault. It's not the fault of the U.S. government that fucked up on this for months and spread the virus amongst its own population and as a result, like, increased its deadliness worldwide. Like, we, yeah, okay, the virus originated in China and there are things that the Chinese government could have and should have done that would have maybe prevented where we are today. But like at this point, 
Our government, at, at this point, literally every government on earth is equally culpable in fucking this up and spreading this virus everywhere. No one has done a good job. It, it, it just to to make not even the government of China, but like Chinese people responsible is so it's a virus. People get viruses. Right. They spread through people. And it's just also like, I mean, with that, with that knowledge, and I mean, you know, when the tables are turned, it's called a pre whatever. But with that knowledge, when somebody with a Trump hat, you know, because Republicans have caused all this turmoil, violence, all this stuff to like so many people. And then, and then people get angry when, a Republican wears um, a Make America Great Again hat in the Bronx and he gets mm -hmm. punched in mm -hmm. the face. And then they're like, they're like, what the fuck? How well, did this, this happen? Is a, this is a violation <laughs> of America, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, like, <laughs> how did the rhetoric <laughs> get here? All we did was push down a hundred old people and attack the U.S. Capitol. How did it get here? So it's just like, yeah, unity. <laughs> Unity now. It also just exposes how, and you can make this parallel to whatever extent it's even relevant for a lot of minority groups is like Asian Americans have been in the Bay Area for a very, very long very time. Long time. Like any good luck finding somebody. Like, what are you doing? Like, the older somebody is, the less likely they are to have any connect. It's just, it's True. it's this assumption that people that are non. It's like Trump and Republicans lied to their base by saying you're going to lose your country. In their words, you already lost it. Like it's yeah. it's over. It's over. People, Asian Americans have been like my fiance is Chinese American. He can't even we're he's here so long we don't even know. Like has no yeah. connection. Yeah. It would be laughable if somebody ever came up to us and was like, "You, sir, started yeah. the pandemic." We'd be like, oh, and it's what? also I mean it's really sad that the I mean it's concentrated in the Bay Area because there's a large Asian population there because Asian Americans from all over have been there for a long time. But it's really sad when you think about like, that's the exact population that was like really affected by the internment camps back in the day. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, we've got like a 91 year old man in the Bay Area could have experienced that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know that he actually did or anything. Yeah. And this is a Chinese man, obviously. But I'm just like an old person in the Bay Area or in Oakland. Like they've, they've seen some so an shit, old yeah. Asian person in that area has seen some shit for real. Do you imagine make, not getting like may, if he was just making it through all of that and then just somebody pushes you like, really, uh, really? So and it could up. be it could be because that guy doesn't fucking know who's Chinese versus Japanese versus Thai. That guy's an asshole. Yeah, this wasn't what it was about anyway. Yeah, well, as someone who touches herself to HBO series Warrior. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but I, you know, I learned oh, yeah, a I'm lot. sure you're kidding. I am kidding. No, no. <laughs> what a funny joke. Uh, I, <laughs> Um, it's so funny, guys. I'm a comedian. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, I'm, you know, you learn a lot. I mean, I've learned a lot about like how, how tied, you know, the Bay Area is to Chinese and Asian ancestors, which obviously, and then also, I'm just like, why are you in Chinatown? <laughs> if right, you're, yeah, you're mad. Get so mad. That's the same thing of what I think of like somebody who goes like right. get out of a gay person in Chelsea. And it's like, 
Go to Chelsea. Oh, go to Chelsea. You know what I mean? And it's just like, no, they went with that purpose. And it's like, you didn't pick someone young. You picked an old guy. You're a fucking coward. Like, yeah, right. Go pick on the guy who is the star of Warrior. Yeah, right. And that's that's such a good point. Yeah. That's the whole point of the thing is that. Yeah, it's not like he was like, I'm going to go square up with an Asian man of my, like, I will, (laughs) I will fight him. Like, which is also bad. Like, also Also bad. Also stupid. But he pushed down an old. Right. Like, you want to, you just want to hurt that person. Well, (sighs) so one more question on this is obviously this is raising a lot of questions about why these incidents don't generally bubble to the collective consciousness and get the reaction that they should. And if you look through history, you mentioned Japanese internment camps. It's something we don't really talk about as much as we talk about the other absolutely abominable things that our country did in its history that we um, seem to be more open to talking about recently. It does seem like something that falls through and, and doesn't rise to that level of severity. Why do you guys think that is? And I think we're all members of a, of a society that values things. And I can definitely think of times where it took me too long to to realize how bad something has gotten and it, it was a story. Why do you think, do you think it has something to do with the model minority um, stereotype that we don't pay enough attention to the suffering? Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, because, you know, this is just my opinion, but like from what I've seen and like the narrative and and, you know, actually numbers like, Asian Americans tend to do well. They they tend to do well financially in America and all that stuff. And like, um, you know, there's many factors to why this is, right? Um, it's because a lot of people who get their visas from Asian countries have to have an advanced degree. So, you know, they come here as doctors, lawyers, you know, um, and just all, the, all these other like really complicated factors. But when you start factoring in like, you know, and it becomes, they become the scapegoat of like, oh, well, look at Black people who have been here for, you know, centuries and they haven't gotten their shit together. Or look at Latino people, they haven't got, but look at Asian people, they really rose into the top. Mm-hmm. But then when you start adding in that, like, oh, actually, Asian people have been here for many centuries too. <laughs> actually, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of Asian people, like, just as much diversity you know, there's a lot of poor mm-hmm. Asians. There's so a lot much of there. And, you know, there's a lot going on there. And then also when you factor in that, like, you know, and, and it's not even that, like, oh, they're doing well for themselves. Like, they come here, they assimilate, and they don't complain. And when you start to factor in the internment mm-hmm. camps, and then also not even internment camps, but even activism, anti, you know, and, like, having it, factoring them in into, like, the civil rights movement and into all these other protests that have happened and stuff like then it muddies this narrative that makes it that makes it easier makes people feel justified in treating black people latinx people and asian people in the same way you know in the ways Mm -hmm. that they have yeah it doesn't challenge what their the view is because if you if you acknowledge that Every single minority group in America, even Irish people, have had to go through some shit, you know? Yeah, the James Baldwin cold open. He says that. He's like, you're from somewhere else, too. I'm from somewhere else. You can never escape that. Maybe, like, we're all from somewhere else, and we're all got here randomly. And, like, you just don't want to face that. But it's true, and you will eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I... 
I also think that there is a, I think that Americans are really attached to the stories that we tell Mm -hmm. about ourselves. And I think that the Japanese internment camps in particular really challenge this American story of who we were during World War II, because we're obsessed with ourselves during World War II. Our culture is like, <laughs> we cannot get over our <laughs> how it's our good whole thing. we were during World War II and FDR <laughs> and our hair and our planes and our boys went over there and they were so handsome. <laughs> and the girls got jobs in the factories. And then the boys came back and took them back. And the women made the plane. And like, it's just like, a league of their we, own. Yeah, exactly. We can't get over it. And Tom Hanks loves it. And he'll make a, and every day he makes a new movie about it. We let black people go fight and then treated them like shit when they got back. Yeah. And we, and, but here's the thing is we don't like to talk about that stuff. And the fact that we were literally doing camps during World War II, during this time when we like to say that we were the savior of the world I think that people, they don't want to listen to that story and it makes them feel like it makes them feel bad. And then I also feel like the model minority myth like has really disempowered Asians to like speak up for themselves in ways because a lot of it is that thing that you said, Millie, which is like, come here, you make your money and you be quiet and just agree with all of us now. And so it's like, I think made it harder for them to advocate for themselves because it's like, Okay, well, we're just getting along right now. So why right. should we, like rock the boat by not getting along in this moment? And there's a lot of you know Asian activism and and, yes. and again, especially like with um you know and I talk with my friends all the time you know because I went to college in Southern California I went to like a pre- uh, um, predominantly Asian American college and just Asian um in general a lot of uh, people from Japan were in my college and um you know there is definitely and especially at with this Black Lives Matter, um, you know, what was happening in the summer, I really saw more than I have ever seen, like solidarity between like, and having those conversations between Black and Asian people and South Asian people and Black people. There's especially in California, Millie, there's like, there is a history and a context for exactly Exactly. But, you know, I think just Tom, uh, it was really funny. You should follow them. But just Tom said, you know, there will be on in the race war. There will be Asians on both sides. <laughs> and I thought that I was like, that is so true. And then also like Latinx people yeah. on both sides. And also everybody's on both. You know what I mean? Because it's like it's the consciousness of like the, you know, it's the people who get success from assimilation and like, yes, like this is how to get success in America. You fall in line. And that is very much like, mm-hmm. it's so true what you were saying, Elise, of like World War II really, really shaped this country, even like after, even with like the GI Bill or even like how immigrants saw themselves then versus how they saw themselves now, like even Italian American immigrants, like wouldn't speak Italian at home because mm-hmm. the way that you get success is by speaking English. And that has completely changed to what it is now. So it's, it's really interesting um, yeah. to see and view that as a whole picture. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of people ask um, what they can do, and my sense from doing little research is that um, support, like Millie said, a lot of um, businesses in Chinatowns and cities across the country are suffering as a result of just the economic uh, issues with the pandemic, but also still because of discrimination. 
Uh, the end of this week is the Lunar New Year. So if you do have a Chinatown that you feel safe going to in your in your city, you should and you should support the businesses there. And we'll also share some links to some other fundraising. There's all sorts of things going even down to just GoFundMes to raise money for like alarms people can carry with them so they feel safer. There are resources you can um, support for helping people know how to report hate crimes in a different language. Um in cities where there are high Asian American populations, they should. And I think they do have resources in many different languages. So we'll share some, some stuff yeah. there so you guys can share that. And if you're not feeling comfortable, like eating outdoors or at a restaurant yet, swing by a place and grab a bun. Mm-hmm. Or some, you know, there's like a ton mm-hmm. of different ways um, that are like less contact. Maybe see if you can order delivery from a place, mm-hmm. you know, like just see mm-hmm. what your yeah. options are. Cause a lot of groceries, are also doing like cool deliveries. So if there's like an awesome Asian market near yeah, you, good point. Mm-hmm. They're they making might... kits and boxes, and yeah, it's year of the awesome. ox on Friday. So you're the ox, baby. Yes, let's do it. Happy it sim- yeah, it symbolizes symbolizes so much. So yeah, and have a night to yourself watching Warrior. Yeah, if you want, yeah. Uh, you know, like <laughs> listen, put a bubble bath, lights up, <laughs> and just get cut. You know, be an always, ally. Be an ally, and just look at this guy, and you're like, yo, Bruce Lee would kill because you know, you know the story behind Warrior, right? Is that Bruce Lee wrote it and pitched it to Hollywood? Basically, it's a western, but it's based in um pre it's like the the events that lead into the exclusionary act in um mm-hmm. in San Francisco oh. but it's like western style and it's really cool it's like in Cantonese and English and all this stuff and um, Bruce Lee wrote it and had him as the star and like pitched and no one wow. would take Gah. it because Hollywood was back then his daughter found it like found his notes got a like commissioned a guy and like they just made it and it's just so it's super violent though it's super violent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not your jam maybe not, not. Jam. i should check it out it. though but yeah, like, yeah, God, good it is, it's good but it's, it's good it's crazy that it's very violent <laughs> We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. 
And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. We're going to do a hard pivot here and talk about the New York Times documentary, Framing Britney Spears. I did a quick, you know, we do go into some pop culture stories here when it has a connection. And I asked on Instagram this morning what listeners wanted to hear about impeachment or this. And they said this overwhelmingly. <laughs> so, I can't imagine why. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, uh, the hour-long documentary details the course of Britney's life from her initial stardom to the mental health challenges that resulted in her father controlling her whole life and all of her money. And finally, to the current state of that conservatorship, which fans have gathered, it turns out correctly, is an unusual legal agreement that the 39-year-old Spears clearly would like adjusted and is not very happy with. We're finally getting signals to that effect. So I'm curious, how familiar were you both with the Free Britney campaign before? And what about the documentary surprised you most? I knew that she I knew that there was a free Britney movement. I knew that she was under conservatorship and I knew that it was probably not good what yeah. was going on. But I did not know the details and how like like how much she's been signaling that she does not want this and like what the conservatorship really was and meant. I think for me. So something that you should know about me is I love a good Lifetime movie. Yeah. And Lifetime did a biopic of Whitney Spears. I did not know that. I missed three that. Three years ago. Three years ago. And it is budget was honestly probably $10,000. But <laughs> I'm being honest. The girl doesn't look like Britney at all. But it oh really did highlight, it really highlighted the mental health issue and all this stuff and the dad and all the, like, just stuff that, I mean, for that, I love Lifetime because Lifetime yeah. is really bring you know, I watched the Wendy Williams, like, doc mm. and movie this weekend and that's I a need whole to see other, that. that's a whole other thing and that's a whole other thing that I'll talk to in depth another time. But for me, yeah, so I knew that she, I knew that the deal was weird. I knew that her dad was, really wasn't in her life. Um, and I knew that she had mental health issues. What surprised me, I guess like what I, what I walked away with was that like, and I think, you know, it's like all these different pieces of the puzzle that I, um, I saw, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I think putting it, you know, I knew Justin Timberlake was an asshole. Yeah. Justin Timberlake ain't shit. He ain't Can we just like get that out in the yeah. world? Did you see what he posted today on Instagram? He posted no. a picture of himself tossing a fucking football with Tom Brady. Those two trolls. He's they know so exactly stupid. what they're doing. He's so I don't stupid. Even know. Yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. Like I knew that, whatever. And I knew, but I guess like what this documentary solidified for me was really how much like, and then I see you see Britney now, and there's just just something off and it's a little scary and sad and I guess like just seeing her in those interviews and it's like yeah like they paparazzi everybody broke her like she she's broke. like broke like it's broke. so weird I've never seen any I mean I guess I just haven't had I've never seen somebody have a break like that and never come back like yeah she's broke something in her is it's broken I like you at least I hadn't actually read that much of the free Britney movement as like 
I mean, the New York Times did this, but I'll say as a journalist, I just like am generally a little skeptical about viral campaigns from fans. So mm-hmm. I was very mm-hmm. um, like surprised that this one was, I don't want to say legitimate, because especially you've seen this with true crime in recent years. Like if mm-hmm. the law enforcement isn't going to solve it, somebody's got to do it. And you have seen crimes be solved. And so this to me indicates that like a dam is sort of broken here. And mm-hmm. like there are no more gatekeepers of like what is right and what is wrong. I mean, I keep in mind, I've been thinking a lot about the lawyer that she tried to retain at first mm-hmm. and they literally wouldn't let her. Mm-hmm. And he said she seemed fine at the time. And he says a few times, like, you just don't know what you don't know. Like there could she, there could be a very good reason why this is still in effect. But the main thing I kept thinking about it the whole time was if she had gone through this, if she was a man. No, no. And no. my thing is like, I'm sorry, but you can't do an entire residency in Vegas, guest star on like 15 shows, uh, do the VMAs and all of this stuff if you're completely not capable of taking care of your own life. Like that's just, that just doesn't make sense to me. Like I have... I have an uncle, my mom's youngest brother. He's mentally disabled. And so we have a conservatorship for him. My uncle is his conservator because he actually could he cannot do certain things like that's what a conservatorship is for Mm -hmm. and so it's just really it doesn't make sense to me for her to be under one and the, the other thing I really couldn't stop thinking about I mean this documentary made me think about a lot of things and my own like what my what I thought of Britney during this time because I mean I was like 15 years old but I definitely fell for like the party line in the media Mm -hmm. that she was just crazy messy trashy girl or whatever Mm -hmm. so just thinking about that and like how I internalized those messages but the thing that really gets me is like Britney and Beyonce are the same age Mm -hmm. and they have been famous and Mm -hmm. in this industry for the exact same amount of time both of them did star search both Mm -hmm. of them came up in the 90s and it just I mean, there are obviously so many differences between the two women, but I just it's just interesting to me. And I feel like Beyonce just had better people around her. Not really, though. Beyonce's I mean, her dad, dad yeah. sucks. Her dad um cheated on the mom, did some fucking sh- fucked up manager shit. Yeah, she had to get rid of him. Right? I just canceled a meeting so we could keep talking about this. Just okay. thought everyone should know. Let's yes. get into it. It just yes. really interests me. And like the, the two of them are the same age and their career has spanned the exact same time. And there's really no reason Britney couldn't be producing work at the same level right now. But she has been like yeah. broken and mentally She's broken. I, I feel like what also I mean, like just to give a little bit more context to me, it seems like Beyonce's family was more well off when she started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had more of a baseline and flexibility and could get used to where I think Britney's family was very working class when she started. So I think it was like this dramatic change mm-hmm. to in class stuff. And they would, you know, have to sacrifice a lot more to come out, you know, and like um, Beyonce's mom could stay and travel. And so, so I think there was yeah, a, like a made their like cost. Different- like she like made down- costumes and stuff and you know Mm -hmm. maybe it's just a matter of having two other girls with you to go through it but also like when you think about even as famous like Beyonce is obviously one of the most famous people in the world (laughs) in our lifetimes Britney Spears during that time there was no one there was Mm -hmm. no one who even approached how famous she was and I read this like I read this Rolling Stone article about that came out in like 2008 about what was going on with her 
And they talked about how like she was kind of portrayed as this like virgin who was yeah. offered up to all of us. Yeah. They say it, like, a virgin to be deflowered in front of all of us. That was the most and- upsetting part to me. Like I couldn't believe how young she was, I guess, because we were younger than her. So yeah. older yes. people she just seem older. really I old. But the fact that you had people talking, can you even imagine if a talk show host asked a 17 year old if about Jimmy her Kimmel, fucking boobs? If Jimmy Kimmel asked Millie Bobby Brown about her titties or your Billy Eilish. You go to jail. You always, you always get really mad when people ask you about your giant boobs. And she like laughs and she's not even mad. She's not like, and he's like, why are you mad? She hasn't even said anything. And first and second of all, Diane Sawyer. That one killed me. How with a straight face as an adult woman can you honestly be asking a 22 year old about her breakup like that? Why do you give a fuck if she cheated on her boyfriend at 22? Who the hell cares? Also, also, Justin cheated on her first. Right. I mean, first of all, he cheated first. But second of all, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares that two 22 year olds broke up? That was so shocking. When Diane Sawyer is like, needling her like what did you do to him what did you do that was so bad and then she starts then the part where she says um this mother in like detroit wants to shoot you oh no no that was the governor of maryland's wife oh my god thank you that's right that's worse that was the (laughs) governor of maryland's wife said that she wanted to shoot Britney Spears. And Diane Sawyer is like, don't you think she's justified in thinking that? I lost and my mind. Like, and Britney's having like a break. She's like, right. that's terrible. And you know, and like, I that makes me think of Cardi B, who like, even now, people are like, well, she's like, I'm not your fucking kids, like your kids, blah, blah. And then she was listening, even like the other day, she was, she was in her house, like whatever, and she was listening to WAP, and her daughter comes in, she turns it off, and she's like, that's not for my daughter. And it's like, yeah, that's what you have to do. Cardi yeah. B doesn't even let her daughter fucking listen to her shit. Why right. should, why are you like, instead of you censoring your daughter, which, and what Britney Spears was doing wasn't even that bad, but it's just no. like, it's, 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 all, it's all this stuff that I feel like I'm coming to terms with now as an adult woman in quarantine, like, con- produce, like consuming media that I feel like is better for me or good or like really dissecting how fucked up. And all it comes down to like as American society, as all societies, the world, whatever, cannot come to the fact or come to terms with teenage girls have sexuality and yeah. like our sexual beings and all this stuff. Like they just cannot come to terms with that because then what does that mean, right? What does that mean right. when like little girl, you know, 15 year and like even how we talk about cons i mean that there's a whole other thing but like what we're taught right as teens i think about this all the time is like okay little boys are horny 13 mm-hmm. 14 15 year old guys are horny and it's your job to say no 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 mm-hmm. no 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 even if you want to say yes if you want to say yes there it has to you're be a, a guilt of no um if you say yes there's if you say yes and you want it like you're a slut if you say yes but you feel guilty about it or you, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. all this fucked up shit. That's like, and not it really, it, like I, I've been really thinking about how I internalized that message, those messages when I was young. Cause I was like, you know, I was like an Avril Lavigne girl. Yeah, for sure. So listen to my podcast, <laughs> the roast of your teenage self for more information about that. But, <laughs> but um, I really was like girls like Britney and Paris and all those girls, they're, 
dumb and I'm a mm-hmm. guy's girl and guy, mm-hmm. girls are bitchy and dumb and I'm cool and I'm smarter. And like, I just think about how I have that attitude and how, you know, throughout my life as a comedian and stuff, how many times mm-hmm. just like in comedy or in media, sometimes people just are like, have an opinion on something. And the easiest opinion to have in that moment just to like fill time is usually to say it's stupid or bad or that celebrity's crazy or fuck them, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, make fun mm-hmm. of something. And there was there's a clip of Craig Ferguson going around right now mm-hmm. that's really, really awesome of him basically saying that he's like, I don't want to make fun of these people anymore. I think my aim has been off in making fun of them. And like Britney Spears is a baby and we should leave her alone. And I just really like, after watching that documentary and after hearing that clip, I just like going forward, I just want to make sure my comedy is coming from that place. And that if I'm going to be someone, I'm going to be Craig Ferguson standing up on his show and being like, this is a 25 year old mother of two and we need to be doing better. Cause I also like, I think my aim has been off, not with Britney Spears. Cause I was like 15, but like yeah. I've made fun of Taylor Swift and other celebrities and stuff in a way that's yeah. like, what does that we contribute to? I don't want to contribute to that anymore. Exactly. Well, that was what I was thinking a lot about today and wanted to ask you guys is like, we look at that from, you know, 20 years ago and it's so hard to watch and it's so hard to believe that we let that happen. What types of things do you guys think we're doing now that we're going to look back at and think like, Jesus Christ, why did we do that to those, whether it's women or, I mean, you could probably name dozens of things, but it sounds like you've been thinking about it at least. I mean, I don't want to get into like a cancel culture talk, yes, of course. but I think that you don't <laughs> <laughs> bitch. I do. Fuck. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I think that we will, the pressures of online life. Mm. I think, I think that um, paparazzi culture is different now in mm-hmm. a better way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that we swarm people physically in that same way yeah. as much. But I do think that like these young TikTokers and people who are hyper online and like young Mm -hmm. celebs who are coming up today, I wonder how much the access of the internet and like the swarm of online attention could affect them. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, multiple conversations. I will say like specifically with this, there was um, a, like not a controversy, but a moment on black Twitter that was really interesting where Chloe and Haley, uh, Chloe, she did the silhouette challenge, which is like where you take off all your clothes and you're in this filter or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, And a lot of people shamed her for that. And then a lot of people, came out in defense of her because she they shamed her and then she started crying and apologizing and then people were like don't oh, apologize what? you're so I mean this is all on black Twitter mm-hmm. you know what I mean how dare you like you guys like I love Chloe so much and then like she came out and like embraced her sexuality in a different way so that was like a cool thing to watch mm-hmm. but I feel like um in terms of where places we need improvement I just feel like yeah I think you know, it's this it's this space of being able to acknowledge that you're not always right all the time. I think mm-hmm. that that's like the it's not really cancel culture, but that was something that I've noticed. Yeah, it's just like you're not always right all the time. And like, what does it mean to be online? And mm-hmm. and I feel like right now, I mean, I even feel this pressure where it was like sometimes you know and and I don't really even have that many followers I'm definitely not like fucking Britney Spears but I have like whatever eight thousand whatever no Millie you are (laughs) thank you you're you're the Britney Spears of this podcast thank you Elise I love you so much (laughs) of course um no but even like it's this thing of 
there's the, there's this standard that we have for celebrities that's like you're the spokesperson for this you're the spokesperson for that you can't make a misstep but because of social media has become democratized now anybody with 20,000 8,000 10,000 followers has all this responsibility and scrutiny and all this stuff the same fucking level as somebody a Britney Spears, but yeah, the thing, or Chrissy Teigen, or, or Chrissy whatever, Teigen or whatever, where it's like Chrissy Teigen. Like on one end, I'm like, yeah, guys, who cares if she tweeted about a thirteen dollars, thirteen thousand dollar thing? But I'm also like, on the other end, I'm like, she's a fucking millionaire and she has this huge house and beautiful. Like she can, yeah. like, we can critique her a little bit if she writes something out of touch. But then it's just like it's these people who are like broke that have 20,000 followers that have the same level of responsibility that's the shit that like really like makes me uncomfortable or makes me like question influence does no doesn't correspond to wealth anymore and you aren't but but also that can get I when you made that point I I think you called it like online culture just being online it's like it there is you are so rewarded for like a viral tweet and usually the tweets that go viral are like kind of out of context and not usually factually accurate and things can blow up around that and then you get criticism and you're not accustomed to it and yeah I can see in 10 years just everybody's gonna be like just get rid of every tweet I ever did I also just think celebrity culture is bizarre overall but I mean, we still will see headlines about like who these, you know, Charlie D'Amelio is dating. It's like, I don't want to know. Right. We don't, we are not entitled to know. It got weird with her yeah. for a little while. People are like, Millie Bobby Brown and her boyfriend broke up. I'm like, I do yeah. not put this in my feed. Absolutely. I think about how like Chrissy Teigen, Chrissy Teigen seems fine with the, and she's mature and she's an adult and she can make her own decisions about how out there she wants to be. But they're like, imagine if she didn't want to be so public about her miscarriage or something it's like she doesn't it's like she doesn't have a choice anymore because people feel entitled like she does one tweet Mm -hmm. about something in her life and suddenly there are 10 people magazine stories about it and maybe i think she's accepted it and it works for her and for Mm -hmm. her brand Mm -hmm. but there's going to be another person who blows up and then realizes like i don't want this you're not entitled to this and hopefully we give them the same or a different level of grace yeah exactly right that's actually that is an interesting case of like a celebrity who was real. Well, I mean, she's even like more than a she's a ro- royal celebrity, but <laughs> but like someone who was really treated badly recently. Yeah. And like. God, like, do these people learn nothing? <laughs> I know. Like, what the fuck? Well, I think Harry the- learned something, which is why he was like, me and my family are moving to fucking Toronto. Bye. Yeah, right, me right. and my exactly. wife are getting out of here. Right. I mean, I Britney know. Spears is still alive. His mother is not. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. But it's like, she can't. And I mean, I guess that's the point, right? And she's not even arguing for not having a conservator. It's just she doesn't want her dad. Because I mean, right. at the end of the day, yeah, like, you're not supposed to be making money. And it, it is weird. It, when you get down to it, it's like, okay, do you know, like, these stunts that she was doing in her in her residency, like, coming mm-hmm. down from the ceiling and all this shit? Like, she, you can rely on her to do that, but she can't use an ATM yeah. or she can't say yes and no to shit. Like, she can't I was have asking. her own credit card. Like, why? Right. I, I was trying to – I was asking my lawyer friends about this, and – 
he's like, there's probably something we, that we don't know. Like she probably could get it if she wants to. Like, what's the worst that could happen? It's like, well, she spends all of her money. It's like, okay, that's her problem. Like that's her problem. But that's a problem because of how many because of how many people rely on her for their own wealth. They're like, oh, she can't go squander her millions because I need those. So it's mm-hmm. clearly like a selfish act on right. behalf of some members of of the family. Like, fine, just just be like, Brittany, give me a million dollars. So if you spend everything, we have this and we'll take care of you for your life, but then go do you. And actually, I don't think she would spend all of her money on something crazy. She seems very medicated and fine. And you know what, Doug? There's enough shitty movies. There's (laughs) enough, there's enough like TikTok endorsements. Like she'll be fine even if she spends a lot. She can make her her own fucking money. Vegas residency, master class, cameo. Well, also, you know, Johnny Depp spent all of his money. He doesn't have a conservatorship. He spent it on yeah. weed. He spent it on weed and wine. And and he said that in Rolling Stone and he does not have a conservatorship. So well, they're right. The only reason she's not making money right now is because she's refusing to work, it seems, until uh, her, yeah. her terms are met for this. So we'll be watching this. This is a great, great discussion. Um, until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamarez. And this is the Betcha Sup Podcast. The Betches Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.